everyone. Welcome back to Capes and Japes on this fine, uh, this fine February day or evening or whenever you're listening to this. Maybe it's the future and it's not February anymore. Who can say? Um, it's February now when I'm recording this and there's a big full moon outside and it's snowing. So it's very powerful energy. Nice. Um, today. We are talking about, uh, last week, we talked about my number one favorite X-Man, X-Person, uh, Emma Frost, and today we are talking about my second favorite, uh, X-Man person ever, and that's Kitty Pryde. Um, another, uh, X-Men character who is probably more widely recognizable by her real name than by any, uh, X-Men code name. <laughs> um, which is a good thing, because, uh, first Kitty Pride fact, uh, that some people know is that, uh, she was named after a, uh, a very real person, uh, named, obviously, <laughs> Kitty Pride. Um, <laughs> it was... You would hope. Yeah, um, I believe, uh, John Byrne, uh, yeah, John Byrne was the, uh, the writer, uh, slash artist, uh, who co-created her, uh, with writer Chris Claremont, um, and, uh, he, he named her after a, uh, woman he went to art school with, um, the Alberta College of Art and Design, uh, and he, uh, according to her, he just kind of turned to her one day in the middle of class, and he was like, you've got a great name. When I get a job writing and drawing comic books, I'm gonna name a character after you. <laughs> and she was like, haha, okay. Um, and then he did, and he, you know, sent her, like, a copy of the issue and, like, wrote her a nice note. And she was like, oh, that's cute. Uh, and then, uh, Kitty went on to be a very popular and enduring character, uh, and a lot of people <laughs> kept trying to track down the real Kitty Pride, and she, uh, changed her name to go by KD Pride because she didn't expect that to happen. Oh. And she was like, not, like... And I don't think it was, like, you know, like, harassment or anything. It was just a lot of attention that, uh, she didn't really anticipate. Um, which I don't think anybody anticipated, because there's no way of knowing when a character will get, uh, extremely popular. Um, but, uh, that's, that's a fact about Kitty. She was, uh, named after a real person, and, uh, she was, designed apparently uh to look like a uh a young Sigourney Weaver um that's interesting yeah which is like i don't know why that's like the first, like a Sigourney Weaver but she's 13 um but i mean like that's fine Sigourney Weaver's a very striking woman um but uh she was created in, uh, 1980, which is, uh, the same year that Emma Frost first showed up. Um, 
which uh, was a time when a lot of changes were happening with the X-Men. Because, um, you know, introducing Emma and the Hellfire Club is what kicked off uh, kind of a lot of stuff with Jean Grey and Dark Phoenix. Um, and that whole thing that would set a lot of tone of the tone of X-Men comics uh, and also comics in general for, like, the next several decades. Um, and it was also the year that, uh, Kitty showed up. So, uh, the story behind Kitty, uh, is that one of the, uh, one or several of the Marvel editors, uh, went to, uh, John Byrne and Chris Claremont, who were the team, and they were like, okay, listen. X-Men is supposed to be about a school for mutants. Um, and we know Stan Lee always ignored that part because he just, uh, wanted to write about the cool superheroes having adventures. Um, but it is technically supposed to be about a school. So could you please have one character... (laughs) Anywhere in this comic who is a student of the school for mutants that the comic is about. (laughs) Just one, please. We just need one, please. I beg of you, one child. (laughs) Stan Lee says, no, I hate children. Stan Lee says, I will never, ever have a teen in my comics. Um, You remember what happened to Bucky, don't you? (laughs) Don't you? Um, think of the children. (laughs) Oh, we can't be giving them the idea that they could go and join the school for mutants. Um, but, uh, Byrne and Claremont say, okay, fine. We guess that's fair. Um, and, uh, they come up with this character of, uh, Kitty Pride. Uh, Catherine Pride goes by Kitty. Um, she is uh 13 when she's first introduced in Uncanny X-Men uh number 129 um she comes from a uh Jewish family she has two living parents amazing um, yeah she's uh she's from Illinois uh she had a uh grandfather who's a Holocaust survivor, um, and that is about the most significant event in her life until the X-Men show up, um, (laughs) which is not that that's not significant, obviously. Yeah, but it Um, kind of didn't happen to her. (laughs) It didn't happen to her, uh, and it also, uh, you know, is, is something that there are many real people who have family members who are Holocaust survivors. Um, it's, uh, it's very believable, and there's no, uh, aliens, or clones, or, uh, any, any of that. She's just, uh, she's just a girl from Illinois. But she is a mutant. Um, and her mutant power, uh, as she discovers when she's around this age, is that she can, uh, phase through solid objects. Um, and it has something to do with uh, quantum physics, and she, you know, uh, shifts her 
the atoms in her body to move between the atoms uh, of the the structure, um, sort of like how uh, the flashes sometimes are like, oh yeah, I vibrate my body really fast and all of my, you know, all of my molecules just move at a different frequency and I can move through stuff. It's like, that's not, uh. I love when they make up bullshit science reasons instead of just saying like, y'all, it's comics. It's comics. It's, uh, Speed Force. Um, there is a, a link, uh, on the Wikipedia page to, like, a physics professor who, like, did, like, an actual study on, like, how would Kitty Pride's powers actually work? Now, see, that's um, cool. I do like... That is very cool. I do like actual scientists trying to explain fantasy things. However, yeah. when comics are like, hey, let's make something sound like science when it's not. Yeah. It's it's not it's not great. Um but so uh Kitty basically can uh move her body through solid surfaces. Um originally this is uh she can only it's like she can't breathe when she's phasing through something. So she can only like phase through like, you know, a barrier as she can only go as far as she can hold her breath, basically. And then later on, they definitely change this because she, like, phases for extremely long distances. Um, she got stronger. She got she got stronger and better. Learned, um, learned how and, to take, ta- change those molecules straight into oxygen. Who needs these <laughs> protons and neutrons? Just give me that pure O2. That, yeah, baby. Um, I, um really love this as a power suite um as i usually do with like a lot of like power suites that aren't like straightforwardly like offensive um because it seems like pretty obvious at first like it's like okay yeah so she like kind of you know works in a support role and she can you know because she can uh take uh a like a small group of people or like you know, uh, a medium-sized object with her. And, like, as she, you know, gets stronger and her powers get better, she can, you know, take more stuff and larger things. Um, But it's like, oh, okay, yeah, so, you know, the X-Men are fighting, uh, you know, some uh, scrolls or whatever that are, like, you know, rampaging through the city and Kitty can, like, get people out of danger by, like, whoosh, whoosh, whooshing them through walls. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but it also works, you know, if somebody's trying to hit her with something, she can just go intangible and it'll go right through her and it won't hit her. Um, and if she phases through, like, circuitry or machinery or anything like that, she disrupts the signals uh and breaks it so if it's like oh no they're using this like big old computer to control the missile she can just like into the computer and it destroys it and it you know then the missile stops you know stuff like that um and there's different writers who have like done like creative stuff with it um i think there's a scene in uh in uh, Joss Whedon's run, in which she features very heavily, where she's, like, fighting somebody, like, 
through a wall. Like, they're on opposite sides of the wall, but she's, like, punching and kicking them, like, through the wall. <laughs> Which is fun. Um, but, uh, but it's very neat. So, uh, she's 13 years old. She's, you know, discovering her mutant powers for the first time. Um, and she, uh, uh, Professor Charles Xavier and, uh, Storm and a few other X-Men come to talk to her, um, to say, hello, you are a mutant. You should come to our school where we teach mutants. Um, and as we mentioned with, uh, Emma, Emma also comes and talks to her and says, hello, you are a mutant. You should come to our school where we teach mutants to be evil. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't, um, she doesn't frame it like that, but also she's like, she's Emma Frost and it's very hard for her not to look extremely evil in, like, everything she does. Yeah, because she's just so extra. She's so extra. Um, and Kitty immediately, like, takes one look at Emma and is like, no, this lady, mm, this lady is not interested in my personal well-being. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very good call. Um, but, uh, she ends up, you know, she has a, a conversation, uh, with uh, you know, Professor X, she, uh, bonds with Storm very quickly, um, and they go on to have, you know, once Kitty is, uh, attending the, the school, they go on to have, like, a very close relationship throughout both their lives, um, and then, uh, they're, like, you know, they're out having this conversation, um, and then Emma and the Hellfire Club show up and try to fight them, um, and, you know, and they, they're fine, uh, some of the, uh, some of the X-Men get captured, and then Kitty helps them rescue them, um, and then they, like, they go through this whole ordeal, and then they come back to Kitty's parents, like, the next day, (laughs) and they're like, hey, so, it's all good, (laughs) um, and, uh, in a pretty, uh, mm, unfortunate turn of events, uh, Kitty's parents are like, no, you just, like, fucked off with our daughter for, like, a whole day, and we didn't know where you were, and, like, the, like, the soda shop where you went exploded, um, and we were really worried, so I don't think our daughter's gonna go to your school, um, and then, uh- Which I mean- that's fair. Yeah, that's a very reasonable thing to say as a parent of a very young child. Um, it's like, you know, I and, don't think this is the safest school for my daughter. Um, seeing as then, it, you guys showed up and stuff started exploding, and this is yeah, Illinois. This doesn't yeah, happen here. This is not really how we do things. Um, and then, uh, and then Jean erases their memories that's, of that happening. That's messed up. Yeah, it's whack. It's a whack thing to do. Um, but then they're like, okay, sure. And Kitty's like, great. And they just go to mutant school. 
Hi, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Hi, I went to cop school for cops. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Hi, that's a that's that's not a joke. You did do that. You've created um, a you've done a crime. I'm also pretty that, sure you have created a crime. You've invented a new crime and it, then then performed it. Like first off, that is definitely coercion for the like you're she basically mentally coerced them to give up custody of their child who is a minor. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, definitely look, a crime. And if it's not, it will be as soon as somebody's like, oh, that's not okay. Let's put that on the books. All this stuff with <laughs> mutants is just so new. We don't have these laws yet. Yeah. Listen, we had to invent uh, a whole lot of laws. Uh, Emma Frost kept inventing new crimes that you could do psychically. <laughs> and we had to make all of those illegal. <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, so that's, um, that's a very whack start to Kitty's career as an X-Man, um, but she's okay with it, uh, so, sure, I guess, um, but, uh, Kitty goes with, you know, uh, the X-Men, and she enrolls in the school, um, and she becomes the youngest member of their team. Um so she's uh she's thirteen. She's a uh a super smart thirteen year old, just like outside of, you know, having a pretty cool cool mutant power. She's also she's great with uh computers. Um I like this because it's like it's like nineteen like in the eighties and nineties whenever they like introduced a kid character, they're like, Oh, they know all about nah, computers. We don't know anything about computers. <laughs> Have this kid say some stuff about computers. And um, they're just like programming. And everyone's like perfect. It, it got it, nailed it. Incredible. Um but uh so she's a uh she's a super smart kid. Um, and she falls into this role as sort of, like, you know, the, the token, like, kid sister, um, on the X-Men team for most of them. Um, like, she, uh, she and Storm are very close, like, Storm has this sort of, like, you know, older sister kind of maternal relationship with her. Um, she and Wolverine are pretty close, and you get, uh, closer later on. Um, she uh she is a crush on Colossus uh from the start but he's like uh he's like 18 or 19 um so he's like no no <laughs> you you are still a child you are a child uh it's it's cute but well you know once we're both adults we can talk about this <laughs> um uh she also she does um she goes through a um a couple uh a couple like secret identity changes um she's like another one of those characters that like <laughs> like it's enough that it's like lampshaded in canon like how many times she's changed her code name um she starts out as uh 
sprite, and then she switches to uh, Ariel, um, which I'm like, I, I, I did not read the comics where this was like first introduced. I am guessing maybe it's a reference to the Shakespearean character of Ariel, or maybe she's just like, I mean, she's 13, so it could have just been like, this is a cool name. I always wish this was my name. Maybe that'll be my fake name. Let's find Maybe out. Maybe that'll be my fake name. Um, that's the thing is that like, uh, like it is it is funny, but it's also like very much a thirteen year old girl thing to be like, oh, no, I'm Sprite. No, I'm Ariel, and my costume looks like this. No, wait, it looks like this. No, wait, hold on, it looks like this. Um, I think one of the reasons that uh, uh, nobody ever usually people don't refer to Kitty by her code names is that none of her code names like they're not bad but none of them are super relevant to like what she actually does um like the one she ends up sticking with for a long time is uh Shadowcat Shadowcat which is Shadowcat which is like fun like it's a cool name and it's fun to say um it's not like super relevant <laughs> To, well, you know, her name is Kitty, and like a shadow, I mean, she can just go true. through things. Intangible. It's true. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, completely unrelated. Um, yeah, but, like, just... what what X-Men have, other than Storm, what X-Men have code names completely related to them? Like, <laughs> Wolverine. Well, What's he got? Wolverine, Claws. as we know, is an actual, literal, genetically modified Wolverine. Yes, of course. How could I be so foolish? Colossus <laughs> is just a big metal dude. I mean, no, it's true. That's fair. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be so. Actually, mean to you Kitty. know, Beast is pretty apt. I yeah, Beast. I was is a kind little... of Beast is pretty on point. Cyclops, Beast is not great. Them. He's got more than one eye. He's got two eyes. Two he's got them. two eyes that he kind of puts a visor on, and he's like, it's one eye now? No, <laughs> Scott, you still have two eyes. You've got two of them. We can see them, Scott. Um, professor X is, all... is a professor. And his last name starts with X. Yes. So really, it's just like kind of, you It's know, not even what... really a code name. It's just a nice, no. fun little nickname. Yeah, it's just what the cool the cool professor asks his students to call him. So, you know, so they know he's, like, down. <laughs> please, please, children, call me Professor X. Can't we just... If, if you want us to get on your... Charles would also work. <laughs> no, no, Professor hey, X hey, is Chuck. cooler. Hey, Chuck. Yeah, like, you know, all all of your, like, art classes and theater classes, how you just call your teachers by their first names it's just fine because it's it's the department yeah because nobody cares they're all loosey-goosey that's what it's like um anyways also during the time when uh she's on the x-men um the other thing kitty is uh most known for is um she gets she gets a pet dragon um and it's not, it's not like a drag, it's like an alien species that looks exactly like, you know, the Earth Western idea of dragons. 
coincidentally. Look, if um, you're going to have any pet, it might as well be an alien dragon. Yeah, it's 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 a tiny a tiny dragon, probably like I don't know, I'm ba- I'm bad at sizes, like a like a foot like a foot tall dragon, like a a little just a little shoulder dragon. Um they uh they go this is also this feels like a very just like you know like token kid character thing to happen they uh they do some x-men business in space and kitty befriends this dragon alien and it follows her home um and then it's just her best friend forever um and his name is lockheed um just every 13 year old's dream really like kitty is i'm surprised kitty was not written by a 13 year old girl as a self-insert <laughs> and um, she goes to space and she gets a dragon why are there dragons in space it's space <laughs> anything could be out there you've never been there you don't know um so she um she has this she has this pet dragon um and they're uh psychically bonded um of course yeah of course um quick sidebar i am still like very slowly making my way through crit roll campaign one um and i got to the part a while ago where uh tiberius gets a tiny pet dragon he's like i named him lockheed it's like oh nice (laughs) it's like a cool reference dude yeah all right nice nerds full of nerds um that's literally all it is Do you know how many times I'm listening to Critical Role and I'm like, God, what a bunch of nerds. What a bunch of nerds. It's it's up there with the amount of times I think, God, I miss playing (laughs) D&D. The two moods. Um, But she has this dragon. um, And this is also very funny to me because uh, the dragon also has like nothing to do with what she does. Um, and I don't know how it would, but if you see, like, a girl, like, you know, you're, you're out, you see the X-Men fighting, and there's a girl who has a dragon, and you're like, oh, is she, like, you know, is she, like, Gert from Runaways, and, like, her power is that she, like, communicates with this dragon, or, like, does she do some sort of, like, fantasy, like, magic, sorcery thing? It's like, no, she just has it. (laughs) She's just got it. For funsies. Yeah, it's her best friend. They're friends, and they fight together. Um, and, like, it seems, it seems like a very, like, you know, kind of, like, wacky, like, 80s thing. Um, but Lockheed's stuck around. Like, nobody's getting rid of this dragon. (laughs) It's Kitty's best friend. I mean, why Um, would you? It's a dragon. It's a dragon alien. It's great. Um, so she's, uh, she's out here living the dream, obviously. Um, one of the, uh, the most significant, uh, storylines, I guess, is sort of, like, cement Kitty and the, the cultural X-Men consciousness, uh, is in a 1984 miniseries called Kitty Pride and Wolverine, um, which, as you can guess, it's about her and Wolverine. Um, and, uh, Logan is, uh, doing some of the stuff that he does in Japan that he does, like, all the time, um, (laughs) and Kitty ends up being, uh, possessed by, like, the ghost of this ninja, 
um, and tries to kill him, and then, uh, Logan, you know, helps, like, talk her out of it, uh, and then the, uh, he, you know, teaches her some stuff, they, like, get really close, um, they defeat the ghost ninja demon, um, and they, you know, go back to doing X-Men stuff, uh, but it, you know, I think, I think this is the point where she starts going by Shadowcat, because she's like, oh, I'm different now that I got possessed by that demon ninja. I gotta pick a new name. Um, Which is a very 13-year-old thing to do. Yeah. I mean, she's like a little bit older at this point, I think, but comics time is weird, so. um, True. Yes. And she also, uh, she gains a bunch of uh, martial arts knowledge, both from being possessed and also from Logan teaching her stuff. Um, And she and Logan develop this, like, you know, really close kind of... uh, almost, like, you know, like, protective fatherly relationship towards her, um, that he ends up having towards, like, a lot of, you know, the, the girls on, on the X-Men, like, the younger students, um, this just sort of becomes, like, characteristic of, like, who he is as Wolverine, he just, uh, loves to respect women and protect girls. It's like, thanks, Logan. Um, there's a, um, there's a, uh, time in, I wanna, I wanna check the, the timeline on this, because it lasts for a while. There's, like, several years, okay, so it's ten years in real time, which is about, worked out to about, like, two years in comics time, um, where she, uh, she gets shot with this, uh, harp, like, energy beam um and it makes her powers go out of control and she gets uh stuck in intangible state oh no Um, she can't breathe somebody help her (laughs) um maura mctaggart um excellent name yeah maura mctaggart uh savior of many many x-men um, is able to, you know, kind of stabilize her, um, but she is, for a long time, after that, still just stuck intangible, and she can become tangible if she, like, focuses on it, so instead of, like, you know, being tangible all the time, and then going intangible when she thinks about it, she has to, like, focus really hard (laughs) to, like, reform her body into a solid state, um time for breakfast. Uh, <laughs> um and then uh the X-Men spend a while trying to fix this. Um they ask uh Reed Richards to help and he says no because he sucks. Um Why? I he's, what is- he's no, I think he just like he doesn't he doesn't know how to help, so he's like, I don't know, can't do it. Um, that's also that's fair, but <laughs> yeah, if he was just like, no, I'm not gonna help you with your teen girl problem. No, bye. I'm Reed Richards. I suck. Um, but uh, they end up they uh they ask Doctor Doom for help because they're like, well. Fu- Reed couldn't help, and then, uh, the Fantastic Four 
get really mad. Um, and they're like, you can't get Doctor Doom to help you with something. And the X-Men are like, well, what do you expect us to do? We're running out of options here, my dude. Yeah. Um, and, and if we go to Victor Von Doom and we say, hey, we have a problem that Reed Richards couldn't fix. You know Doom's gonna try. <laughs> yeah. Um, Surely I, uh, Victor Von Doom, can fix this problem because I am so much better than Reed Richards. Yeah, yeah God, that's all you ever need to say. Why don't Mark- Hey, if somebody went to Doctor Doom and was like, uh, we just asked Reed Richards and he said that he couldn't solve world hunger, uh, like, Victor would be like, give me that. I'll do it. I will fix it. World hunger? <laughs> Not anymore. Everybody will be fed. Yes. Ha, that's that's my evil plan. That'll show Reed Richards. That'll show that Reed Richards. I hate him so much. Um, eventually, uh, you know, uh, everybody realizes that this is ridiculous, uh, and probably they should just save this teenage girl and not fight about it. Um, but that's a fun, that's just a fun detour, uh, in Kitty's life where she just, you know, isn't physical for a very long time. Um, yep. So for, um, for a while after that, um, she is, uh, on the team Excalibur, um. And now the dragon fits. Yeah, see, now it's like, oh, okay. Um, Excalibur, which is a, uh, a, a British superhero team that's, like, kind of vaguely X-Men affiliated. You know, affiliated enough that it sort of starts with an X sound. Um, I mean, they could have gone, like, X-Caliber. Yeah. I mean, maybe that would have been... Maybe they felt like that would be a little bit much. A little too derivative. Yeah. Um, what caliber are they? Excalibur. <laughs> um, but, uh, she's one of the, uh, the founding members of this team, uh, along with, uh, uh, Nightcrawler and, uh, Captain Britain, obviously. Of course, um, you gotta have Captain Britain on there. Yeah. Uh, and a few other people. Um... And she, this is like the the late eighties that this the is ladies, formed. if you will. Oh yeah, the ladies. Um, and she uh she mostly hangs out there. Um, and uh in the early two thousands, uh she comes back to the X Men briefly. Um. And then she sort of, uh, kind of, she says she's, you know, she's taking some time off from superheroing. Um, she goes to college and she's not really around, uh, for a bit, uh, until Joss Whedon brings her back, uh, as one of the main, uh, one of the featured characters in, uh, his run on Astonishing X-Men, which we've mentioned a few times now. I mentioned it a lot because it was, like, 
one of the <laughs> one of the the first like actual X-Men comics I read, so it was like very formative for me. Um and probably one of the reasons why uh the Kitty and Emma dynamic is so important to me. Um fair. Because yeah, uh because Emma specifically like want asks for Kitty to be on this team um because Kitty is the person who she knows trusts her the least um because Kitty's like yeah she kept trying to get me to go to her evil school when I was a child uh I think she sucks um and be- specifically because Kitty does not trust her at all Emma's like I know 100% if I go evil Kitty will not hesitate to stop me. God, I love it. Which is a great, great dynamic. Um, yes. For them to have. Excellent. Um, yes. Uh, but she's, uh, she's one of, um, I'm not surprised that she's like, uh, you know, plays such a big part in a Joss Whedon run specifically because, uh, we know how much Joss Whedon loves, like, coming-of-age stories for super-powered young women. Um, yeah, he she, does. He does do yeah, a lot of those. He he loves them. Um, uh, even though she's, you know, obviously, like, you know, older now, she's still one of the younger members of this team. Um, and uh, she... So she's on this... Uh, She's on this iteration, uh, of the X-Men as, like, a a full-fledged member. Um, she almost, uh, almost dies for, uh, and it seems to be dead after, in this period after Joss Whedon's run, where she, uh, there's a big, uh, there's this big, a huge gigantic, like, ten-mile-long alien missile coming towards Earth, uh, and they're, like, Kitty's, like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up there, and I'm gonna phase into the missile to stop it, um, and she phases through, like, you know, like, a full mile of this, like, metal that's, like, very difficult for her to phase through. It's, like, specifically, like, an alien material that's, like, really dense, and it takes a lot of effort, um, and she gets to the the center of it, and it's, like, it's empty. There's no, like, you know, there's no circuitry. There's, like, nothing for her to disrupt. And she's, like, what? And then, uh, she passes out because of how much effort it took. Um, and then, It was a cage uh, all along! It was a (laughs) cage. Um, and then, uh, Beast is, like, that's no missile. That's a bullet! What?! Um, and so, uh, she is passed out in this, uh, this- Giant bullet. This giant bullet, um, she's able to phase the whole thing through the earth, um, but is trapped inside it as it just keeps on going through space. Um, was it supposed to be a Kitty Pride trap? Because it sounds like a Kitty Pride trap. It sounds like it was designed to be like, here's how we're gonna get Kitty Pride. Like um, these aliens are like, hey, 
you took a dragon that doesn't belong to you. We're gonna trap you in a giant bullet. Just hurdle you into space. Good luck. We're so we're so mad about that dragon. Um, but so she she's gone for like a while, and they're like, you know, they do what they can to try and like find her. But they're like, I maybe she's dead. Who knows? Um, How hard is it to find a giant bullet floating out in space? Well, space is very big. Yeah, but you knew it's fast. You knew its trajectory. It went right through Earth. I don't know. I don't know. But they can't find it. Um, but, uh, Magneto, like, finds it somehow. Like, Magneto's in space doing something. He's like, oh, hey! It's a big ol' thing of metal. Yeah, it's huge. It's, It's probably was, like, you know singing softly to him in his head because and he's like just, ooh mm, tasty metal um, it's it's the it's the like looking behind meme where the uh jealous girlfriend is the task oh that God. magneto was doing and the girl walking by is this giant bullet <laughs> god um but they um they're able to free her from that and she's like because she was uh just, like, hurtling through space using, like, all of her energy to, like, keep phasing this bullet through things. Um, she's once again stuck intangible for a little bit, but she gets better. Um. How long was she out there? Because hopefully it was less than three days, otherwise she would have died of dehydration. Well, no, it's, uh, she doesn't because, you know, uh. Comics. Comics reasons. Uh, if Dick Grayson can almost die in a desert, so can Kitty Pride. <laughs> Dick Grayson in a desert with a baby. Um, she, uh, she and, and Wolverine uh, opened the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning together. Um, she, uh, she's teaching there. Um, she dates uh Star Lord. Um she dates Star Lord and they almost get married. Interesting. Uh yeah, it's just like it's all she's she dates Star Lord and then she is Star Lord for a little bit because Peter has to go do uh I don't he some weird I I didn't read any of these and also <laughs> uh every time I read about space stuff my eyes just glaze over. I like the Guardians of the Galaxy. I just don't like space stuff. Um, Peter has to go be, like, an emperor or something. So it's Kitty is Star-Lord instead. And at first they were going to call her Star-Lady. And they were like, that sucks. Um, which it <laughs> that does. That sucks. Just stay with Star-Lord. It's fine. Um, so she just, she just chills with the Guardians of the Galaxy for a while. Um... And, uh, marries, or almost marries, I don't know if they actually get married, Peter definitely proposes to her, which is weird because it seems like, I don't think they've known each other for that long at this point, because they definitely just met with this weird, like, there was a weird, like, space trial, Gene was on space trial, and, like, Peter was there for some reason, and he and Kitty were, like, flirting 
and then they get married, and then she's Star-Lord, I guess. Whatever. It's, um, that's one way to do things. Yeah, listen. And anyway, uh, then, uh, then she comes back to Earth, and she's like, hmm, uh... This was, like, this has all been, like, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff was, like, within the last five years or so. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, but she's back. She's back. From outer she's space. Ba- she's, now she's back from outer space. <laughs> she, she just, just walked, walked in. in to find you here yeah. with that set look on her face. Yep, that's it. That's her. Um, she, I uh, knew I should have changed that stupid lock. <laughs> Um, she comes back to the X-Men, uh, Storm, who is currently leading the team, is like, oh, Kitty, thank God you're here, a bunch of shit happened while you were in space marrying Star-Lord, um, I, I can't lead this team anymore, I want you to do it, um, and, uh, Kitty, she accepts this, um, she ends up kind of, like, focusing on sort of making the X-Men more a part of society. Um, she renames it to the Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach. Um, she's like, no. Nice. Yeah, she's like, listen, I know shit is pretty bad out there, but it's not going to get better if people don't understand us. Um, and look, I know you had this whole thing about being like a secret school for mutants. But people know now. Yeah, people definitely know, like, for sure, absolutely. Um, she also, uh, she gets back together- Do you think together... Gifted Youngster became, like, a, like a slang euphemism for <gasps> a mutant? Just, oh my god, I hope so. Is, is he, you know, like, uh, is he a what? You know, like, a Gifted Youngster? God, please, please, I would love that. Um, <laughs> holy shit. Um, but, uh, that is, uh, where we're at now is, uh, Kitty is, you know, she's a, she's a team leader. Um, she and, uh, Colossus get back together and then they're going to get married and then that gets called off, which happens like the, the, like, the same month that the Batman-Catwoman wedding was happening, so it was just full of disappointment. Um, but, uh, she has, uh, she's remained, uh, very enduringly popular, um, and I think it's really neat to be able to trace, like, such a, a genuine coming-of-age arc from a character who went from being introduced as a child and, you know, the youngest member of the team and then coming into her own with, you know, her powers and her confidence and her, you know, decision-making ability and being, like, you know, a full-fledged adult member of the team and then going on, uh, to leading it. Um, and she's also been, um, she's been described as, like, kind of, uh, an entry point into the X-Men, because, like, even now, like, she's still, there's been no point where it was like, oh, secretly, you know, her parents were Skrulls or something like that. Like, she's still just 
you know, a pretty normal person yeah. with this power, um, who's kind of adapted uh, to this whole life. Um, I love her a lot. She, like, she develops, like, such, like, a strong, like, like, she's extremely uh, confident in her own, like, morality and, like, sense of duty and justice. Um, she's, you know, not afraid to stand up for herself or for other people. Um, occasionally sort of stubborn. Um, but it's neat, and it's neat that, like, it's literally been something, like, you've been able to watch happen over the course of her her development, because, uh, comics hate change so much that that's not, uh, not always something you get to experience. Yeah. Um, but, oh, she's so great. God, her and Emma are so great. I love, I love that dynamic. <laughs> there's, like, there's this one, I think it's still in the, the Joss Whedon one, um, there's this one scene where Emma is, like, uh, like, knocked out or, like, falling unconscious, and she's, like, sort of delirious, and, like, Kitty is, like, phasing through the ceiling above her to, like, you know, grab her and, and pull her out, and Emma, like, says, like, mutters something about, like, oh, what, uh, are you an angel? I don't belong up there, and Kitty's, like, not on your life, bitch. <laughs> it's just very good. Um, we've talked about Kitty for a long time. Um, did you read any comics? Do you have anything you want to talk about? No. That's okay. <laughs> I just wanted to check. Yeah, I I appreciate you checking. I was thinking yesterday when I got home from work that I would read a comic, and then I just didn't get off the couch. <laughs> Hi, I work that... in a tourism industry, and it was a three day weekend here in America. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a huge mood. Um, I had uh two things I wanted to mention. Uh, one is uh. The first issue of Wonder Twins came out this week, nice. which is, yes, uh, I think the third title so far in uh, Bendis' new uh, DC imprint Wonder Comics, um, which are all kind of like fun teen stories. Um, so Bendis is writing Young Justice and uh, Naomi, both of which we talked about and I really like. Um, he is not writing Wonder Twins. It is written by, is this the right bag? Yes. Uh, it is written by Mark Russell? Mark Russell. Um, and, uh, it's, um, it's very, very fun. Um, in the vein of, like, all of these comics are just sort of, designed to be, uh, you know, pretty, uh, fun teen adventures, um, in varying ways. Um, Wonder, this is the one that maybe feels, like, the most, like, a YA novel, which I love. Um. Oh, nice. Yeah, because it's very, like, um, the Wonder Twins are inherently sort of, like, silly characters, um, as are like you know a lot of the 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 legion um but 
Like, it's all a lot about them, like, oh, we don't fit in at school, but also, you know, uh, the Justice League won't respect us. Um, and it's like, it's just really fun. It's just very, very, very cute. Um, and, uh, they, the two of them have a very, obviously, a very, uh, adorable dynamic. Um, and, uh, I, I am liking it a lot. I've liked all of these so far. I'm excited, uh, Dial H for Hero is the fourth one that I don't think has come out yet. Um, and I'm very excited to check that out, too, because I'm really liking all of these. Uh... Also, uh, also, uh, for our Patreon movie night this past week, um, we watched, uh, the first episode of the new Netflix Umbrella Academy series, and I've watched a few more since then, um, and I am really liking it. I actually did not, uh, read Umbrella Academy when it was coming out, I- heard a lot about it, and it was one of those things I was always like, I should check that out, because I know I'd really like it, um, and I didn't get around to it, um, but the, um, the, the Netflix series is a very, uh, fun take on it, if you also, I mean, I can't speak to how faithful it is, um, but if you also were thinking about reading it, like, here's, like, you know, a, a introduction to it, um, Cause it, it's like, it's very, uh, it's very kind of splashy and stylized. Um, it has an incredible soundtrack. Uh, there's a fight scene in the first episode, um, set to Istanbul, not Constantinople. Yes. <laughs> um, which rules. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it quite a bit. Uh, so that's something you can check out. It's not a comic book, but it's based on one. Um, on, on Gerard Way's <laughs> famous series. Um, my other, uh, while we were watching it, uh, Sam, friend of the show Sam, was like, this is, uh, giving me some kind of Evangelion vibes. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, really? I can, yeah, I can see that. And I was like, Oh, yeah, because Gerard Wade did love Evangelion so much, he made a Spider-Man Evangelion OC. Yeah, like, this is Gerard Way we are talking about. <laughs> it is Gerard Way. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's fun. Um, so, uh, if you, I'll start with this. If you want to come hang out, uh, for movie nights like that one, we have a Patreon. Um, and I think $5 a month is where... Yeah. Yeah, so for $5 a month, you can come uh, join us for movie nights, watch fun stuff. Um, if you can't do $5 a month and you want to do uh, $1 a month, you'll still get uh, bonus episodes. If you want to do more than that, you can help us uh, pick out what topics you want us to talk about. Um, and any of those, we so, 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 so appreciate and treasure. Uh, it means the world to us. Um, if you want to connect with us in other ways, we got all kinds of social media. We got Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. Uh, you can find all those just by going to Capes and Jape. Um, we have a Discord channel that you can join, a Discord server that's 
servers the and then channels are the the smaller ones you have inside the server. I know, I know my stuff. Um, I know how we, Discord works. Listen, I'm a Discord expert. Um, but we have one of those, and you can uh come chat with us. Uh, talk about you know if you got something you just want to yell about, regardless of whether it's about comics. Please stop on by. Um, what else? Uh, Patreon. If you want to leave us a rating or review, we love that. If you want to hit up a friend, we love that. Um, any of that we love. We love you. We love you for listening. Uh, we are, we're just, we're just full of love over here. Um, so thank you for joining us for Capes and Japes today. I have been Olivia. And I have been Elion. And as always, kiss me sexy Batman. Kiss me sexy Batman.